It's all golden to me. It's my dream to have a golden beard. Younger <laughs> <laughs> but looks older. I'll even try a squat. Here we go. The, uh, the uh, six of clubs. The golden. Welcome to another episode of the Talk Golden to Me video podcast show. Your host, Evan Golden, a.k.a. Golden TV, as always here in the studios at the Berman Law Group. I hope you're ready to talk some punk rock with me today because I have a man that is represents South Florida so well. Right here in our own backyard from the hit band New Found Glory, we have the bassist Ian Grushka in studio today. And I wanted to get inside of his brain, his soul, his energy, his aura, and just find out how he became a rock star and what it feels like to be a rock star. I think everybody wants to kind of be one, as at least you always kind of hear that. But I get to talk to one right here live in the flesh. So welcome to our show. Welcome to our studios, man. We're, we're excited to have you and talk to you, man. Thanks for having me, man. Of course, of course. So you are a rock star. You're, you're in a successful rock band. I mean, you, you've, you not only have you made it, but you continuously do what you love to do. And you know, you don't can't say that for a lot of bands out there. So it's, you got to be pretty. Uh, you got to be just pretty stoked about that. Definitely, it's definitely awesome. But the the funniest thing about it is starting out. I first started playing guitar when I was thirteen, um, and I played with uh, a couple of friends that were just so much better than me um, that I couldn't keep up. So by the time I was the age of seventeen, I was like, you know what? I'm going to switch to bass guitar because. There's less strings. I don't have to play chords, and I think I can play that a little bit better. The problem was I didn't really have money to buy a bass guitar. So fast forward probably like a week or two from then. I'm in school, and I see this fight during lunch period. So I check the watch on the fight. Fight ends. Go back to class. One of the kids that was in the fight winds up sitting right next to me in the class. I'm like, hey, man, I saw you fighting during lunch. He's like, yeah, I just transferred here from from Bremerton, Washington. I was like, oh, sweet. I was like, yeah, we were sort of talking about music. I'm like, yeah, I play in a band. We were really bad, but we were <laughs> called Hope for Dope. Um, so I started telling him that I want to play bass guitar. So he's like, oh, he's like, I, I have a bass guitar at my house. I'll, I'll sell you that. I have a bass and an amp. I was like, well, how'd you get it? He's like, oh, well, I was walking around the neighborhood and I saw a bass and an amp inside someone's car. So I went home and I got a machete and I cut the roof off of the convertible. I ripped the roof off and then I stole the bass and the and the and the amp. And you were cool buying you were cool buying the stolen property from me. I, I had no money. So it's like fifty bucks. <laughs> what a deal! All right, man, I'm playing bass. So that's so you a, got rid of two strings and you got yourself a great deal. <laughs> so I used that for a bit and uh, that's how I started playing bass. But the funniest part is that out of all the friends that I played with growing up, I was the worst musician out of all of them. I didn't know there was so much talent out of South Florida. Um, I mean, the people that I were playing with, the people that taught me were, were great. But the thing is, looking back now, I'm the only one out of the group that turned out to be a musician. Everyone else still plays, but they're all doing other things. So that's that's a cool story. So that I'm assuming that that could, that bass is not around anymore. Do you, nah. bad karma, bad juju. Long long gone. Long I don't gone. even. I think I gave it away. You know. To fast to fast forward, but you the bass you play now is, is epic. It looks like you, you have someone's mugshot on it right now. Are you still um, playing with that? I actually I still have that instrument, but I took I took the mugshot off. Okay, the mugshot's off. Yeah. So what I did was. What's I, the story behind that? So I had um I used to be a big uh, a big marijuana smoker. 
I'm still very for the legalization of very pro marijuana, but I've been sober for almost five years. It just started making me paranoid. Um, so I have uh, this sparkle green custom fender that they made me with pot leaves on the frets. So instead of dots in the frets, there's there's pot leaves. Um, and I used to be sponsored by this company called Greasy Grooves out of Canada, and they would make me. I just sent them pictures, and they'd make me like custom pick guards. So I was talking to my other brother, Jared, and I was like, hey, man, maybe we can track down our other brother's mugshot from when he was in college. Um, so we wound up getting it um, and having it made into a pick guard and put it on the base, but we didn't tell the older brother about it until it was already on the base. Was he happy about this? What, what was his reaction? Did, and was he arrested for marijuana? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which it made sense to put it on there, but... Uh, I recently took that pick art off and put a different one on, and I I gave it to my brother. I was like, you know, you can you can keep the pick art. It's a cool omen. So let, let's go back as we kind of fast forward there. So you have to be pretty musically inclined. I mean, like to me, I can't hear like the beat and the tones. Like some people just can hear the rhythm and they pick up on it. Something you were born with, something that just kind of got instilled with you. No, I think there's there's different kinds of musicians. There's certain people that are born. And they're songwriters, and they could hear songs in their head, and they could write songs. That that's not me. There's people that take lessons and learn how to read music, and they can read music and understand, you know, theory and understand notes and this and that. That that's not me either. I'm very I'm a very visual person. So, you know, Chad, our our guitar player, he's the main songwriter. So I'll look at him and he'll say, Hey, play this. So he'll start playing stuff. I'll kind of look at him. I'll usually tab it out, which is instead of writing actual music, I'll just write numbers of what finger his fret goes to. It's called tablature because I can't read music. Wow, that's pretty fascinating. And then I'll write it down like that and kind of just sit there and playing it and memorizing it. But everyone, like on stage, some people are thinking notes and thinking this. I'm thinking like no dot dot no dot dot six fret no dot i'm like thinking of where my finger is going to go but not really you know i i know what notes i'm playing on the on the low on the fretboard but when i get up high i i don't know how to explain what i'm playing i just memorize it that's pretty interesting what do, do like the music connoisseurs professionals do they like frown upon that style um Probably. But the thing is, it's like some of the most in, you watch these videos on YouTube of these people that are just shredding. And like, I'm just looking at them like, man, I don't know how you're playing that. But can they write a song? And can they write a song that speaks to other people that they're going to want to listen to? So I think for me, I'm fortunate, I guess, that I was the one that started the band because at least I didn't get kicked out for someone that knows how to play better. You know, you can't kick out the founder, right? Well, I mean, I'm sure you could, but <laughs> I thought there were some bylaws against that. Man, this is awesome. We're, we're talking with here Ian Grushka from Newfound Glory, one of the best bassists in the world. I'll give you that title, right? You'll accept it. I'll take it. I did some deep, deep research. I was told that you got your music ability from your grandfather, who was excellent at the organ and violin. Yes, that is true. He's also no one knew that but me, right? Like these facts, I'm starting yeah, to bring. Yeah, no one, no one, no <laughs> one's actually brought that up, but that is true. He was. Uh... The one in the family that was musically inclined. He also uh, loved porn, so I think he kind of passed that on as well. I remember, I don't know, I was probably like six, and he uh, he had a free cable. So for some reason, he had every single channel for free, um, and he would use his VCR and he would record 
the Playboy channel all the time. So he had just stacks of like porn. So that's, I think, where I started watching porn as well as a child. Right, so, so a young boy, these were the two things that, <laughs> that you were excelling in. <laughs> I mean, he did play the organ. But I always remember, I remember it as a kid. I would always, he had this, uh, this necklace that he would wear, and it had like an Italian horn. And on the bottom, there was a little like circle of gold and a, a little letter E on the, on the bottom. And I would always be like, I'd call him Poppy. Poppy, what's that? And he's like, oh, that's horny. <laughs> that's a special man right there. Yeah, that's uh, when he passed away. That was the I tried to get that necklace, but it uh, disappeared. I don't know. Someone, if, uh, if you're listening or watching this and you have that, that piece, we'd like to buy it for uh, our guest here. Someone's, you know, someone's wearing that. Someone's got it. Wow, that's imp- that's impressive. Now you you always kind of hear those stories, like you know, you know, see it, visualize it, believe it to make it happen. Did you always kind of sense you were going to be a rock? I mean, when you got that that base, you're spending fifty bucks on something. Did you know that this was going to lead to this? Was that always kind of your goal, your vision? Did you can you picture that? So for me, I knew uh, like listening when I was in high school, a friend, a kid that I was friends with, he had passed away. He was from Poway in san diego so when he moved down here he was like oh check out all these bands here's unwritten law here's blink 182 and this was like blink like right when their cheshire cat their first album came out so he was like you know check out these bands screeching weasel and and green day and strung out all these like punk rock bands Lagwagon. so i started listening to punk rock from him um and i played guitar at that point but it was mainly like trying to play like a Queensryche riff or like a metallica riff you know um and then once i started listening to punk rock uh i think it kind of took a step forward for me because i was like you know i think i can actually play this i may be able to play whole songs and not just like little pieces um so that was kind of the start for me and i would go i know when uh when unwritten law unwritten law and blink would come down to florida a lot um, and they tour together in like a 15 passenger van. So at that point, they'd have like four shows in Florida. They'd play like Jacksonville, St. Pete, Fort Lauderdale, Orlando. And me and my brother Jarrett, we would hop in his car and we'd follow him show to show. And the guys in Unwritten Law would let us crash on the floor in their hotel. So we'd hang out. How'd you like get that friendship and that bond? I mean, their fans would probably be so jealous of you. How'd you get that? So the, the way that I did it, um, I would... I would basically smoke really bad weed for like a month before a band came to town and I'd save all my money and then I'd buy really good weed. I'd go to the venue during the day like by myself or with one other person with a backpack, with a bong, with good weed. And as soon as they rolled up in their van, I'd say, you guys want to get high? And they'd be like, oh, let us go load in our gear. This guy over here smokes, he smokes. So I'd go into the venue early, smoke pot with the band. Then they'd be like, oh, we'll put you on the guest list. You want any free merch? So I'd get free merch, hang out with the bands, and, and that's how I started meeting people. You have to sacrifice if you want to make it. That, that's a nice move. You have to give to get. 100%. Just, you can't just sit back and expect anything from anyone. So like Rob Brewer, the old guitar player from Unwritten Law, he was the one that kind of made me go, this is what I want to do. Like the way that you can love a band, you can hang out with the band, and they're down to earth, they're cool guys. And with punk rock, it's like there's no ego. There's no bullshit. There's no, like, I'm better than you. It's like we're just normal guys playing music and just being real. And that's, I think, what was so appealing to me, that you can just be that. Because it's like, listen, there's there's people that I look up to, and if I meet you and you're a dick, I'm not going to want to listen to your music anymore. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. When you go and take a shit, it's going to smell. 
Well, that's one thing I've, I keep reading about your guys' band, and everyone kind of writes on the comments here in interviews, is that you guys are cool dudes, and it seems that you're the same guys, you know, walking the, the halls of Douglas or Terrell, whatever schools you went to down here. How have you guys not changed with all the success and how have you been just such a cool guys and just relatable and down to earth? I mean, well, there's two things. The first thing is how can you change? Like if you have a dream and your dream becomes a reality, you can't take that for granted. It's like it's weird because starting out when we signed to a major label, it was like, oh, you guys are sellouts. And it's like time out a second. Fuck you. I started playing guitar at 13 because I was watching Headbangers Ball on MTV. I wanted to be in a band on MTV from the beginning just because I started playing punk rock and you think you know what the ethics are in punk rock. Don't tell me what you think I should do. I, I had a goal and a dream to be on MTV, to put out albums, to be able to tour. And because my dream became a reality, you can't give me shit for it. It's like playing sports. You start out playing Little League and then you move on and you're playing high school ball and you play college ball and minor league and then you make the big leagues and they're going to be like, oh, you're a sellout. But, I, hate, I hate that term. Yeah. You, it's called hard work. Yeah. I mean, that, was, that that's your goal. I mean, was, I guess because they think punk rock is, is selling out. I mean, look, I've seen you on, on Cribs. I've seen you on TRL. You've been on MTV, obviously, all your videos. To people that think they're true punk rock fans, they think if you're on MTV, you're selling out. Is that like what you heard back then? Yeah, that's what they think. It's ridiculous. But, but it's like that was my dream from the get-go. And it's like if I got in a band and I had success and I was on TV and I turned into this, I'm fucking better than you or, or you're you're down below me and I'm on a pedestal. Yeah. Feel free to call me a sellout. And I'll tell you what, though. You're a rare breed. I go to so many events. I, I work so many red carpet events. I, I, I see celebrities, and it it astonishes me to see how rude they are to their fans, where they could take half a second picture, half a second autograph, to, to what that would mean to that fan, and I see them blow by and reject them, and it happens a lot more than it does on the other yeah, side, which is, but, which is disheartening. But the thing is this. It's like no matter what you look at, if you're in a band, Without people supporting your band and going to your shows and spending their hard-earned money to come and see your band play and buy your merch and listen to your music. And um, if you're in movies and you're an actor, without the studios paying that salary that you're getting and without the move, them putting out your movie and people promoting you and talk shows bring you on and people doing interviews to promote you. Like, yeah, you're like, hey, thanks for coming out here and thanks for your time. But you're here promoting my band. It's like it's a, it's a two way thing, you know 100%. what I mean? You and people take that for granted. It's like I don't if you if you're an actor or an actress and you weren't getting parts and you weren't getting movies and no one cares about you, the people that care about you are your fans. Well, this is why NFG's been been banging and, and blasting for twenty years. It's because you guys never change and and your fans, our viewers, our listeners, I think are very thankful and appreciative of that, man. The thing is, people that support you, they're not they're not stupid. They see through your bullshit. Mm -hmm. And I feel like part of the reason we're still around now is because when people see our band, they're like, wow, they're just normal people. Like, I, if they can do it, I can do it, too. I mean, the fact that I, I'm like the worst musician out of everyone I knew and I could do it. And everyone was like, oh, you'll never make it. I mean, I, I quit college, turned in my prepaid college fund to get a bass guitar because I was going to be in a band. Like, I mean, you take a you took a big risk, man, and, and and so did all your bandmates. But you guys always believed, and you never strayed from your goal. So I knew, I knew from hanging out with so many bands, I would pick their brains. Well, how do you make it? Well, you tour. 
if you don't tour, your band will never make it. Right. So I knew. So fast forward a couple of years, we signed to drive through records. They hear of us on like compilation CD that the band Midtown played for them. They fly down from California to Florida and watch us play a Sweet 16 pool party where we put all the songs we had in a hat and people would pick out a song and that's what we'd play. <laughs> and that's what we wound up getting signed to drive through on. So we're signed to drive through. At this point, we have our drummer is in uh, college, University of Miami. His father was a heart surgeon who, instead of having his own thing going, he taught at Jack as a Jackson Memorial mm-hmm. or the yeah, Univers- Miami. University of Miami students go and train with him. So he's surgery. so he's got already like an in. He's got like the, the in to go there. So so his dad works there and teaches UM students so that his kids have full ride scholarships uh, to okay. college. That was like the term. So he has full ride to university. So you pulled this guy away from that too. Our guitar player Chad, he's at uh Taravella High School still. Um, and then our singer, he's got like an art degree, he's going to like art school or something like that. Me, we played four shows with MXPX locally and sold a hundred CDs a night. And I was like, I quit my job and I'm like, dude, that's a lot game on. We're, we're, we're doing this. That's it all in right and now. And people are like, dude, you have no money. Like my dad took my car away. I had no car. I'm like, dude, we're doing this. So we signed to the label. I pull the label aside. Richard and Stephanie, the owners of drive through I'm like, listen, I've had a million talks with this band on how if we don't tour, we're not going to make it. I'm like, you need to schedule a fake meeting with the whole band, sit us all down, and tell us that you got to strike while the iron's hot. You need to get on tour now if you want to make this a career. So they sit us down. It's genius. The fake meeting, and everyone bit it. Chad dropped out of high school. Cyrus talked to his dad, and he's like, I'll give you two years. He's like, that's all you get. If you didn't make it in two years, you're going back to college. Um, drummer quit uh, art school. I had already I had already turned in my prepaid college and bought a bass guitar and then gave the rest of the money back to my dad because I wasn't going to school. I remember I came home. I went to one year at Hillsborough Community College in Tampa, did a lot of drugs, and I was like, you know, I should probably go home before I wind up dead. <laughs> so I went home, started going to, to BCC for a year, got like halfway through the first like quarter, and I was like failing math because math was not my thing. Um, so I go home to my dad, and I was like, "You couldn't correlate it to fret numbers." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "I need to, I need to drop this one class." Like, I hope that's all right. And my dad, you know, he's not alive anymore, but he was kind of a dick, you know. So he was like, just gave me this nasty reply, like, "I don't care, drop all your classes." I went the next day and fucking withdrew from college. He's like, "You asshole!" I'm like, "You said drop them all. I, I want to be in a band. I, I don't want." So go he to wasn't college. supporting you then. Uh, not so much in the beginning. I mean, took my car away. I had no car, but I knew I, I just, you're, you're I, the youngest brother of all three, right? I'm the youngest out of the three. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so that's what we did. We held this fake meeting, everyone bought on. And then, you know, the label got us like a couple of weeks with the hippos. I think uh, a couple of weeks with less than Jake, a couple of weeks with uh real big fish. And then the rest just kind of, we just kept touring after that. Fascinating. I love it. And I think that's a true inspiration to a lot of musicians out there. There's so many people out there that are playing music that, you know, don't give up on your dream. I'm sure you, you, you could provide them. You're a walking, you know, advice and inspiration for them. Yeah. I mean, it's and it's it's a lot of risk and it's a lot. It's it's not easy. We did. You know, I remember our label bought us a van um, 
and we left to go play the first show in Orlando, broke down, and the van was ruined. So we had the van for not even a show. Didn't last too long. And then we had to get, we wound up, I think, leasing a 15-passenger van somehow, and that's what we were touring. And we did probably about seven years in a van, in a 15-passenger van. We'd have the two front seats, one bench, and then we took all the other benches out. I always slept on the bench because they called me the ninja sleeper because I'd toss back and forth, elbow people. <laughs> so I always slept Taking on Taking out bandmates that are waking up with black eyes and stuff. Yeah, so I was, uh, they called me the ninja sleeper, and I would sleep on the one bench. But, you know, we did seven years, you know, sleeping on the side of the road, eating McDonald's with every meal and peanut butter sandwiches. And that's what we did. And at that point, I was vegetarian. So it was a lot of, like, Big Mac with no meat. And that's uh, not, not too much of a glamorous basically life. Like getting bread, which is, I mean, didn't help that I was blew up like a balloon. You know what I mean? You were on an all carb diet. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it felt like. What other nicknames did you have? I like Ninja Sleeper. What? Yeah, I saw Sergeant Soy. Yeah, that's my it was my alter ego in uh, international superheroes of hardcore. Um, growing up, uh, my dad's nickname for me was uh, Tubby <laughs> and Lardass. Sheesh. Yeah. Rough crowd, rough crowd. Man, listen, I'll tell you one thing. I, I had a chance to talk to your dad several times, and if you don't know, he was so, so, so proud of you, man. He would, We would talk sports and football because I'd see him at the fields, and we'd go right into you know all three of his sons, and, and we, he, he, loved, he loved what you did and accomplished. So he might have given you tough love in the beginning, but you know how proud he was of you because yeah. you never gave up, man. It shows yeah. a lot of heart. I remember he came, he came out for like two days on the bus. Um, and he, he, at the end, he's like, I'm exhausted, man. He's like, I, I don't know how you do this. He's like, I have no idea you do this. I'm, I'm, I'm like dead after two days. But I remember he woke me up one morning. He's like, I got, I got to shit. I was like, dude, you can't shit on a tour bus, man. He's like, well, you do it in garbage bags. So I had to like set my dad up with a garbage bag. To, Is that how you do That's how you had to do it? That, I mean, that's how I do it. No one else, no one else really shits on the bus. No one else, if but I, you'll do it right on the bus, right in the bag. I'll take a garbage bag, put it into the toilet, and then just like shit into the garbage bag. Oh, that's a good move. All right, I understand. I thought you were like just using the garbage bag in front of everyone. At least no, you're using the toilet. put it in the toilet. I, okay. I, I learned that from Roger from Les and Jake. It's called trailblazing. Um, and then uh, if you have to throw it out the window while you're driving, that's a moving violation. You ever get the phantoms where you wipe and it's perfectly clean? Uh, I get like one a month. Yeah, it's rare. It's a rarity for me. Very, very rare. Um, but I did. You seem hairy like I, me. I took it. I took it one step further, and I I realized like on Warp Tour, because there's all porta potties. I was like, you, I'm so scared of the kickback. So I started. I'd wake up in the morning, put a garbage bag in my pocket, baby wipes in the other pocket, take my shirt off, leave my shirt on the bus, grab myself a cold water, go down to the porta potties, and I just put the bag in the porta potty. And then when I'm done, just like shove it into the. But that's good because it gives you a, like a border over the seat, so you don't have to put a nest down. Use the garbage <laughs> bag as the nest. Great, great. tips. Um, the only thing, one night we I were love bathroom talk. We were all outside the uh, at the buses, and we saw the people <laughs> suctioning, like sucking out the porta potties, and the bag got sucked. <laughs> and the guy's like, "Oh fuck, fuck!" And then the guy, the worker, had to like it's going. <laughs> The bag got stuck in there, and he had to pull the bag of shit out of the t- the tube. So yeah, the people cleaning them not too happy, but I mean, you got to go, you got to go. <laughs> How did we get on this topic? <laughs> <laughs> every time you talk to me, that's where it winds up. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Listen, everybody poops, right? But there's better ways to do it. Exactly. <laughs> My kid's favorite joke is, why does uh, Jeopardy have so much? Uh, why do they need so much toilet paper? 
Do, 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 do. You could use that one. Not that good, right? It is kind of good. All right, use it. Talking about your, you know, your vision to be on MTV, you, you accomplished that, that dream and that vision. Aside from your music videos, I loved seeing not, not only you on Cribs, which was, which was pretty funny and cool, but tell me about this whole painting thing with Claire Danes because I didn't see this. I, I, I need to know more about this, what happened. All right, so this, that was, I mean, top 10, probably one of my worst experiences. <laughs> worst? I thought I was going to say great. I, know, I no. didn't want to bring up a Listen, bad experience. It, it should have been great. But what happened was we went to TRL. Got it. So we get to TRL and they're like, and Claire Danes. It's like is, the number one watch show back then. Claire Danes is the guest. And I'm like, dude, this is awesome. She was on, uh, what is it, My So-Called Life. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, man, this is awesome. They're like, so uh, Claire Danes is taking some art classes. We're going to have her paint you like the French girl painting. So you like take your shirt off and lay down and she's going to paint you. And I'm like, dude, this is awesome. I was like, yeah, let's do it. So they kind of like sit you in a green room and they kind of go over what they're going to do for the show. So that was the game plan. And I was like, that's all I paid attention to. So I'm thinking like, Claire Dane's going to paint me. This is great. So they're like, all right, so we're getting ready to go live in five minutes. They're like, so what we're going to do, the other guys in the band, we're all, you're all going to go down to the street and we're going to go down there and talk to fans and uh, and Ian, you're you're gonna get painted. And I'm like, Claire Danes is gonna paint me. They're like, actually, she said no. They're like, but we found someone else in the in the crowd that's an art student, and she's gonna paint you. So Claire Danes wasn't even the one that painted. Claire Danes said no. So they, but they did the so bait and switch point, on you. So not only am I mad that she's not painting me, sure, but then I realized two seconds before that I have to walk out on TRL by myself. And I started having a panic attack. I started, I, 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 cause I don't really like doing press. I don't like being on camera. I feel weird. It's like, if I was, it's like back to what we talked before. If I was like this guy with a big ego, I'd want to be filmed, but it just, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Sometimes you never know what's going to happen. Like I'm comfortable now because I know you, you know what I mean? If you're a stranger, and there was big TV cameras. You didn't has, have aspirations to be on TV. You had aspirations to be a rock star. Yeah. So, so I uh, I wanted the I wanted the video to be on MTV. I didn't want to be on MTV myself. Got gotcha. you. Um, so then, like, they're like, all right, let's go. So I had to like walk out, and you could tell by the look of my face, like, oh man, I do not want to be here right now. We're gonna try to pull up some footage of this and play it. Is uh, it is it online? I, I don't know. We're gonna dig it deep. Was, uh, it was it was a scary moment. For wow. Me. Sorry to bring that back up. I thought it was a great moment. I was all excited to hear it, about it would that. have it would have been a great moment had Claire Danes painted me. But then, of course, I was so mad that at the end the girl was like, Oh, do you want the the drawing? And I was like, No. And everyone's like, Dude, you're a dick. So you didn't even accept so it? someone in the band took it. I don't even know where it is now, but search that I know, on eBay. I know there's a You have so many pieces of you out there. I want to start we gotta like do a, a, a like a search fund for me. I need the horny. I want. I want this painting. I'm making a list. There is a uh, there is a picture of the girl painting me. I, I did see that recently somewhere. Um, All right, we're gonna find that. We're gonna pull that up for post break. All right, was the Tom Hanks? Was that experience oh, better than the Claire Danes? One? That was awesome. Okay, so this is awesome. Tom Hanks, legendary actor. Ian Grushka. They meet. They 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 join forces on what? How did this happen? Okay, so we were signed to. Uh, MCA records at the time. Um, and I think our self-titled record had just came out either that I think self-titled, um, our A&R guy at the time, his name was Gary Ashley. Great guy. May he rest in peace. Um, he, uh, 
he calls up Chad one day and he's like, hey, my kids are in a band and they're trying to play in their talent show. They're going to play a Green Day song. But the Green Day song talks about drugs. So the school told them that they can't play that song. So now they want to play Hit or Miss. He's like, would you mind coming over and showing the kids how to play it? So Chad's like, of course. Welcome over. So he asked me, hey, Ian, you want to go too? I'm like, sure, let's go. So we go over just with the intention of showing the kids how to play our song. Is this down here in South Florida? This is in California. In California, okay. Um, so we roll up to the house. Um, we had known that um, that they knew Tom Hanks because their kids would like carpool with his youngest kid. So we knew that. Um, but we didn't realize that once we started teaching the kids how to play that the other brother went and called Tom Hanks's kid. And he's like, dude, guys from Newfound Glory are over here. You got to come over. Um, and we found out later um, that Gary Ashley told us, he's like, whenever the kids would come over, like the mom would drop them off or like the nanny would drop them off. He's like, you know, Tom would drive them to school sometimes, but he'd never really just drop them off at the house for like a play date or something. So we're just sitting there in this room teaching these kids how to play the song and the door opens and we turn around and it's, Tom Hanks in like sweatpants. We're just like, like nothing's coming out. He's like, he's like, oh, I heard you guys were here. I wanted to come and meet you guys. And we're like, oh, cool. Tom Hanks wanted to meet you. Unbelievable. Because he was listening to a record on the way to school with the kids. So he's like, oh, we've been listening to a record. I I still couldn't talk at this point. So he hangs out for a few minutes watching us teach the kids how to play. And, um, He's like, all right, well, I just wanted to come and meet you guys, you know, catch you guys later. And he starts walking away and Chad's like, hey, Tom. And he turns around and he's like, can I get a hug? (laughs) So he walks over and Chad gives him a hug. And I still couldn't talk at this point. Still frozen. Yeah. So talk about starstruck. Then he starts leaving again and he's right about to open the door. And I was like, hey, Tom. Bachelor Party's my favorite movie. (laughs) So you got got a couple words in? And he just started laughing and he leaves. And later, Chad's like, dude, you just told him that Bachelor Party was your favorite movie. He's like, you think of all the awards this guy's won, all the movies done, and you tell him Bachelor Party. I'm like, yeah, it's a great movie, man. (laughs) So that was... uh, Hey, being honest. That's all I got to say was Bachelor Party's my favorite movie. And he laughed. That's what's so cool, man. You you don't realize, like, your music, how many different generations how many different demographics how many different people you've reached or inspired or maybe you know changed their life so when you look at it from that perspective you kind of think you know what i'm doing is we're not just creating music but we're, we're, we're touching hearts and kind of changing lives even yeah i mean speaking of changing lives here's an off the subject but um a couple of years ago this is probably more than a few years ago but uh obama was president our uh, our singer and his wife were friends with some of like his like people, so uh, they came to like a show once, like his like I don't know, assistant or like right hand guy sort of guy. So I, I talked to this guy for maybe a total of about three weeks. I had his number and I would just text this guy back and forth. He was a nice dude, but I would send him like uh, videos of me farting. <laughs> that's weird, because <what> like. <laughs> you know that's how I roll. Um, and then I texted him once and he and he 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 texted me a message and he's like, dude, I'm dying over here. He's like, I'm golfing with the president right now on the green. And I played your video. And he's like, the president started laughing and looks over and goes, what are you watching on your phone, man? So the president heard one of my farts on this guy's phone. Dude, these stories, man. Fast forward a couple of weeks later, the guy like stopped replying to me and then never heard from him again. But I mean, 
for that split second. That's, I was in, you know? That's great. That is awesome. That's a great story, man. Oh, my gosh. What about, I have one other uh, story I want to hear. D. Snyder. D. Snyder, that was another cool story. Um, so this would have went a lot better had I been more of a talented musician. Um, so we played Give this. yourself some credit. Oh, no, but I mean when it comes to like playing other people's songs. Okay. I could play all of our songs, but when it comes to, hey, play this, I'm just like, uh, show me what to do, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. How to, I can't really play by ear. I can't listen to something and then play it. It's crazy that you can't do that. Yeah, well, you got to be good to do it. got to have an ear for music. I just have a brain for memorizing. So we do this radio show in Connecticut, um, and we get interviewed by D. Snyder. So he interviews us for this thing, and we're like, oh, man, it would be really cool if you, like, came out on stage and, like, sang with us. And he's like, okay. And we're like, wait, really? So we had him come out during, like, hit or miss during the sing-along and kind of just singing, like, a piece of one of his songs, but without us, like, playing the music. It was was kind of bizarre and weird. Didn't go over too well. (laughs) But the picture that I have of him next to me on the stage, that, I mean, that's, that's people badass. would people would think it was awesome. That's cool. Image. That's cool. He he's a he's a wild guy. I, I had a chance to meet him once, but he's uh, he's still going at it too. He's still he's still trying to rock and hit on women and he he's he's kind of a lunatic still. I mean, as he should be. He's that's, right. that's right. He hasn't changed at all. This is awesome, man. We're talking with Ian Greshka from Newfound Glory. Uh outside of all of your guys' albums and EPs. The new stuff that I, I just I can't get enough of is your screen to stereo. I, who, who thought of this whole concept and this idea? It just it's so awesome. The videos, everything. I just I I like wait for the next one to be like released. So the way that that happened with the first one is we uh, starting out we uh, we wanted to play like a cover song. You know, we we wanted to play one that was popular that everybody knew because between all of us in the band, we all like had different friends that so many different people would come. We'd have like punk rock, hardcore kids, but then we'd have like college frat boy kids and like people that like sports because we're all so different. All of our friends were different. We wanted something that would appeal to everyone. And we're like, we want people to come to our show and we want people to be able to remember us and be able to sing along to a song, even if they don't know us. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, the biggest song on the radio was My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. Nobody really loved the song, but everybody knew it and everybody knew the lyrics. So we started covering that at the shows and we play that for a while. And then after we got bored of that, um, uh, the Armageddon song, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing, Aerosmith. That was like the next huge one on the radio. So we started playing that. Um, and people would constantly ask, oh, what record's that on? What record's that on? So... With us, the way the way that it worked with Nothing Gold Could Stay, our first full length, it was originally on Eulogy Records, which is a local label down here. Um, then Drive Through Records bought the rights to it and re-released it. So by the time we were ready for an art, ready to put out another album, it had recently just come out on Drive Through, and we're like, well, the people in Florida have been listening to our band. Have they've had this record for two years already? We can't make them wait another year and a half for another record. So we picked, uh, I think we each picked one more song, and then uh, we went in and we recorded that and put out for your screen your stereo part one. Um, I picked uh, The Goonies Are Good Enough on that, Cindy Lauper. Excellent choice. So we had that one out, and then kind of in between records, we had the idea to do part two. For this one, it wasn't as well thought out. It was like, oh, let's just pick a bunch of songs we like, and like we'll get friends to sing on different songs. We kind of did that, but we didn't really 
kind of think like, hey, what what are people are going to want to hear? Mm-hmm. It was really, well, what songs do we think we want to hear? You know, for that, I remember I picked uh, I picked The Promise when in Rome. Um, which I was, saw the Eye of a Tiger was one of them too, right? That's on that's on the newest, newest one. one. Okay. So this was part two. So part two is just kind of just slapped together. We'd kind of we didn't really practice the songs at all. We'd listen to the song in the studio. Hey, this is how it goes. All right, let's track it. You know, so it wasn't really much thought. And then for the third one, we kind of Chad was like, we need to like make it more like the first one. You know what I mean? Like there's songs like I wanted to do like Saint Elmo's Fire. And he's like, listen, the song's catchy. Chad's like, the song's catchy. It's a good song. He's like, but who's really going to know that song besides you? I'm like, all right, I see where you're going. He's like, let's try to make, let's try to make it like an album, like a complete thing where it has a little bit for everyone like we did on the first one. So that's kind of the, uh, the, the vision that we had for this last one. They're, they're so awesome. They're, they're, they're just, and the videos are just great as well. So. Yeah, and for me, you guys have probably gained like a whole new fan base with them. I feel like too, or people that you know weren't jamming with maybe some of the originals and hearing this, and they're like, wow. And then they're going back and listening to your other music. Yeah. So with this one, it was like it was so rushed. We went in to record the album, and we had X amount of days in the studio to do it. But every day off that we had, we had to go shoot videos. So it's like you know, it was like all right, we're gonna do Eye of the Tiger in four days. So we need to get. Like, all the drums are done first, so the drums were already done. So it's like, all right, we need to get a bass guitar, a rhythm guitar, and, like, just a scratch vocal. You know what I mean? And we'd rush to get just enough done so that we can shoot the video. So, like, when we shoot the videos, all the parts aren't even there. It's not even... We're recording to, like, an undone version of the song. Um, so it was kind of like... Chad kind of had this vision of, like, hey, I want to do a video for each song. And we're just like, oh, man, it's like just nonstop. But my favorite part of a video is when they're done. I don't really love shooting videos, but I, people don't know. realize how much time they take. It's, it's long film hours, lots of cuts, yeah, lots it's of just retakes like doing the same thing over and over again or like, Oh, well try to do this and try to do that. Cause you don't see yourself in the camera. So like, I know like the accidentally in love one where I'm dressed up like, uh, I don't even know the dude like far what I don't even know. I don't even know what the dude's name is. Yeah. So Chad's saying like, "Oh, like go more crazy." So I'm like just doing all these things with no music really playing, just trying to make it like look good, you know. But uh, so then we did these videos. We put out uh, the first one to come out was "Power of Love," which automatically got pulled off of YouTube. I was going to ask you like, what are the copyright rules or laws behind that type of stuff? So with with your actual song, you get you get like permission to record the songs. And the way it was uh, on Screen Your Stereo 1, it may have changed since then, but I think it was like every CD or album you sell, the writers get like seven cents per song. So if there's seven songs, you're paying like 49 cents in royalties off the album that's sold. Um, and then with the videos, um, I feel like you have to get permission. With YouTube, the laws have changed too. When we first put out like the Kiss Me video, there was no real laws around there. Now there's more strict laws and you need to get permission for like, like not only recording the song, but you need to get permission for doing a video for the song and you need to get permission of like what's in your video. So I don't even fully remember why the power of love got pulled up, whether it was the, the toys that were used looked too <laughs> much like the characters in the movie and it was like hurting their brand. Yeah. 
Um, but the thing is, it's like the Back to the Future movies are so old. It's like it's only promoting your song even more. I, I just don't get that. It's like we can go and find every person that puts a newfound glory cover online and take it down and be like, oh, that's copywritten. But what's the point of that? Someone, You should be flattered that someone exactly. else wants to play your music and someone else took the time to do that and put it online. And they're promoting your band by covering your song. It's a no-brainer. And they're even getting paid. It's not like we're like YouTube stars where companies are paying us to play our thing. We're not getting paid from YouTube. So the fact that that got pulled, that's why with the uh, Accidentally in Love cover, the Shrek one, we blurred out all the faces of the characters because we're like, man, they're going to just pull that in a second. And we expected we expected Disney to pull the Frozen one right away, and Disney didn't care. I mean, they have Frozen 2 coming out. Why would they not want great someone else promoting it? They just had they had one of your the songs on the uh, on the NHL uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs right last year. Yeah, which was awesome. That's so cool. You must have loved that. I know you're oh, yeah. a huge yeah, hockey. You're a big awesome. sports fan. Baseball, hockey. Yeah, baseball for me. Baseball's been a little stressful, man. But that, how cool! You must have loved that you guys that you were on that hockey for the. Oh, yeah. oh my god, yeah, that, that's awesome. sick. I got that text message. I was telling everyone. That's it's like, awesome. oh, this is great. I actually have uh, they have a, the Panthers just reached out to me. They're having a thing. I think every Saturday now where they're picking like some people from each city. Like every Saturday promotes like a different city in South Florida. So for the Parkland one, they call me and they're like, "Hey, would you be interested in coming down and you can you know do like an early meet and greet with some people Sweet. and do like an interview or take over the Instagram." And they're like, when the players get to come out, you could open the door for them. I'm just like, oh, so man, you're this in. Is sweet, I'm you in. committed to that. This is this season. Yeah, this is. Uh, I think in February. That's gonna be awesome. But the hardest part's gonna be down there, and not saying, "Hey, man, can I get a stick? Hey, man, let me get that stick." They're gonna this. give you. Like, they they don't give. No, no. Well, Henrik Borkstrom, he he gave me a stick last season. He was really awesome, but it's hard. Like, you have Florida Panther uh, picks right now too, right? Are you using those for a yeah. while? So cool. Yeah, so I took the Panthers logo and put my last name on it and then picked a bunch of players that I liked. And I had like seven different players on the last run of the tour. And then this tour that we're about to do in November, I got seven others. That's so cool, man. Speaking of Parkland, the last time I actually saw you guys perform was at the MSD Douglas tribute concert. Um, you went to Stoneman Douglas, correct? Yes. Yeah, I did as well. Um, obviously, such an unfortunate accident that, you know, what happened, not an accident, unfortunate, just terrible terrible you know incident that happened here what was that like though performing for your city and, and coming here for your school and, and even performing for some of the families that lost people i feel like uh i feel like the hardest part of doing that was the feeling of wanting to do more like you feel like no matter what you do it's just not enough do you know what i mean yeah. like uh uh, my cousin was in one of the classrooms in that building. So just seeing what like she went through and, you know, and losing friends and like the families, family loses a child. You can't, there's nothing you can do to take that back or make that better. You know what I mean? Um, but the fact, the way the community came together, um, but I feel like stuff like that, sometimes it's too brief. It's like people forget, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's like, it sucks that it takes something like that to bring people together because I feel like there's there's so many other people out there even off the subject that just need help and there's uh so many people are so busy and so in their own world that they're you know it's just kind of out of sight out of mind you know yeah so for me it's like I 
there's for me like being in a band in our level there's only so much i can do um i'm not like i can't like i could walk around in public and go anywhere i want no one's gonna like hound me like oh you know what i mean so there's there's only a certain level of stuff i can do but for me i do a lot of like uh stuff for cancer charities i'll do a lot of people are always asking for guitar picks so i'll do like auctions on my instagram like hey if we could raise a couple hundred bucks for this raise a couple for that I'll do as much of that sort of stuff as I can, but yeah, it's, it's so awesome. But it's not where I'm constantly hit up like, "Hey, we're having this black tie dinner. Like, can you be a host?" Because no one's gonna know who I am. Do you know what I mean? So sometimes I want. I wish my band was like at that so playing arenas and stadium, so I could really. You do guys, more. you did a lot. You've done a lot. You, you raised a lot of awareness. You shed the light on it, and you, you were able to have a lot of people that needed to escape what they were going through, even if it was just for one night. It was a beautiful, memorable night, and and it was a great tribute. So, but it makes you think. There's just so many people that are at that level that could do so much, and they just don't. That's just something for me that I'll never understand. But that's also going back to what we're saying, just like being a real person and not having an ego and not buying into all the BS. Because listen, there's gonna come a day where people aren't gonna listen to my band anymore, and then you know when time comes and goes and I pass away. I want people to look back and say, hey, man, he was a great father. He was a great friend. You know what I mean? The music is just music. You know what I mean? It's great because people, it kind of helps them to escape the reality and the hardships they're going through. Um, but I feel like when push comes to shove and I'm gone from this earth, people saying stuff about like my band is not really what's most important. That you're a good human. Yeah. A great human. That's more important to me than anything else. Man. I know that uh, your father is smiling and proud of you. Uh, as a friend, I'm so proud of you. And, and, dude, you're a role model. You're a role model for a lot of people, whether you, you know it or, or want to be it or like it. You know, you're, you're an inspiration for people that are in the entertainment industry or just everyday human. It, it, listen, I always say the same thing. Like, it's cool to be nice. I say that all the time. I say that to my kids all the time. We just need more of that in the world. I agree 100%. More of that, man. We appreciate you coming in, man, giving us just kind of a, a little taste of who you are as a person and a human because that's what we wanted to find out. And, you know, it's not it's not just a man jumping around. Man, I, I wonder how many calories you burn at some of those shows, man. You, you jump. You, you just, you got, not, not enough. <laughs> you're looking good. You're looking good. I mean, we really appreciate your time, though. So uh, awesome talking to you. I'm going to make sure I come to that Panther game because that would be a cool experience. So I want to come to that as well. But keep keep making music keep being a good human being and uh we will all continuously just keep supporting you and your band man awesome thanks for, for sure thanks man. for having me man. that's ian grushka from newfound glory viewers listeners we of course always appreciate your time like subscribe do all that fun stuff helps us bring wonderful guests like ian onto the show so uh do all that cool stuff follow him on instagram psycho smoke you could find him ian grushka on instagram he's a great follow as well maybe he'll, he'll dm you a fart video <laughs> <laughs> Send uh, sending lots of love to all the viewers and listeners as always. Your host, Evan Golden, here from the Lofts of Berman Berman at the Talk Golden Me video podcast show. We're out of here. Peace. Say goodbye to them, me. See you. <laughs>